What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, everybody. It's Brian Fritz. Thanks for listening to the Between the Ropes podcast. Wherever you're listening, you can subscribe on iTunes or on Stitcher. And, of course, you can check out BetweenTheRopes.com where we have the podcast. And it's also on SoundCloud as well. It's at SoundCloud.com backslash between the ropes a really special thank you to everybody that's supporting between the ropes on patreon that's at patreon.com backslash between the ropes if you don't know what patreon is it's a way to support artists and creators for all the different projects they do whether it's a podcast or video or art it's a way to support them financially so they can keep doing what they're doing because It takes time. It takes money to do the different projects that we do. And if you value people and the work that they do and you want to make sure that they keep doing what they're doing, support them on Patreon. And that's what you can do it between the ropes, whether it's a dollar a month, five dollars a month, ten dollars a month. Anything is appreciated and it goes a long way in helping me and the others on the website keep doing what we're doing. So check out patreon.com backslash between the ropes. You can see the different tiers that we have for various amount of pledges per month. The more that you pledge per month, we're going to do some cool stuff for you. And like I said, even a dollar a month really helps us out. And for a dollar, I'll show you respect, a lot of respect for even that dollar a month. It goes a long way and really really helps me out and allows me to keep doing between the ropes so thanks everybody supporting us on patreon if you haven't yet please do it just go to patreon.com backslash between the ropes let's do this ring the bell this is between the ropes oh you're going for the dirt for the behind the scenes stuff it's time to get between the ropes between the ropes He is the Texas Rattlesnake, WWE Hall of Famer, arguably the biggest star in WWE history, and a damn good guy, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Uh, Glad to finally catch up with you, Steve. Uh, How's everything going out there on the West Coast? Well, the Texas Rattlesnake, as you refer to me, is in a car, in an SUV, driving in Los Angeles traffic. I went out and interviewed a a guy, picture in California, Cold Steel Knives, had a great time talking to a real interesting cat. And now I'm braving the highways of Los Angeles, doing a podcast slash interview with you. All is well. If I start yelling and screaming, it's because these people out in California can't drive where they flip. Are you stuck on the 405 or about to be? No, I'm on the 101 coming to the 405. You kind of know your way around out here a little bit. So right now it's uh, coming up on 1 o'clock uh, Pacific time. So it's not too congested. It's always funny, though, because you can never tell out here in Los Angeles. You get on a damn highway, and all of a sudden it's 2 p.m., and it's gridlock. And I'm thinking to myself, it's 2 p.m. in the afternoon. What are people doing, you know, out of work? Or, you know, how many people can travel? Because normally, you know, in Texas, you don't get off work till about 4, 5, or 6 o'clock. You can get a uh, middle-of-the-day traffic jam out here for out of no reason. So it continues to confound me. But nonetheless, I've reached uh, a state of just being able to deal with the traffic. I'm in, a, I'm in a, a nice car, and I'm just enjoying the scenery, remaining uh, re, re, remaining composed, as Gordon Sully would say. You're out there in a different world with all these aspiring stars, Steve, so uh, you never know what, what's coming and going. <laughs> yeah, I see the aspiring stars all the time. Uh, it seems like everybody out here, man, you go out to these restaurants, everybody's waiting tables trying to, you know, pay the bills, but trying to get that break, going to acting classes, going to auditions and chasing their dreams. And I, and I got a lot of respect for all that. But, you know, in and of itself, Los Angeles is actually a really cool city. I love the weather. 
traffic can be a, a bit overbearing, but nonetheless, it, it's a cool vibe out here. But I'm looking forward to uh, going down to South Texas. I leave on uh, November 14th for Texas, and I'll stay down there for two months. And that's my vacation. So I'm looking forward to getting out of the state of California, the city of Los Angeles, and getting down to the Bucket Skull Ranch. Speaking of coming and going, so we got to see you on Raw recently, and it's the first time in four years that you had been on Raw. So what was it like being back on the show? Well, I mean, it was it was what it was. It was short, brief. I had four announcements to make. I got handed a piece of paper. You know, uh, hell yeah, I'll be ready for Raw. Hell yeah, I'll be ready for 32 in Dallas. I uh, got Brock Lesnar coming up in a couple hours, and I'm going to introduce the Undertaker right now. So, you know, when you ain't been on TV in four years, and you'd really like to go out there and uncork a, a promo and just uh, raise hell for about six to ten minutes, you know, it, it left uh, a lot to be desired from my part, but it was doing a favor uh, for WWE. It was all hands on deck. Myself, Shawn Michaels, Rick Flair, Undertaker, among other people, were there. I had a great time visiting with those guys. But, you know, when you ain't been around in four years, you'd like to do more than deliver a message. But that being said, that was a task at hand. And it's always nice when you can go out and because it's been so long to get a great ovation and a pop and people still remember who you are. So uh, on one hand, it was great to be seen uh, by the WWE fans. It's great to get that reception. And I'm always uh, very grateful for the fact that people remember, uh, you know, what I, what I did, you know, while I was involved in the business of pro wrestling. Now, it seems like you've made a very conscious effort to really pick your spots when it comes to appearances with WWE. Why have you not been back sooner? Or has it just been they haven't had something that I felt like this is a spot where I would fit or something that I want to do? Or why do you think it's been so long, especially since we've seen you on Raw in particular? Man, really, it's so hard to predict my schedule. You know, I've been focusing on reality television shows, which I really love doing. You know, I've got two shows on country music television, CMT Network, and one of them's the number one show on the network. And so between filming those gigs, it's, it's hard to, you know, line up uh, the, the dates. And, and you, you think, oh, Steve, that's only two shows. Well, I've filmed two, you know, one or two cycles of each show. But along with that, you know, my normal podcast, and here's the, the ultimately, you know, Brian, if, if it's not going to end up in the ring, you know, there's not always room for it. So I can go over and stir the pot, but if I'm not going to be the guy getting in the ring, you know, how much havoc, how much uh, chaos can I create? What can I contribute to if, you know, the end product does not go into the squared circle? I, I'm pretty much, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not wrestling anymore. Uh, I, I'm out of that, that, that part of, uh, you know, my career. And uh, it doesn't make sense just to have me on TV for no reason. If, if it's not going to end up in the squared circle. And I think that's, uh, it goes unsaid, and I think uh, that's that's pretty much the reason. Since you brought it up, and I know it's been such a hot topic lately, when it comes to if you will ever get back at the ring, let's, let's just address this right now. Can you say for a fact that you've already had your last match and you're never going to have another match in the ring? Yeah, man, I always, I think 99.99% I've had my last match. You know, if I felt froggy and wanted to jump uh, for any particular reason just because I said, you know what, right now I have the fever for it, I'd like to do it, but for all practical, intrinsic, whatever kind of purposes, I'm, I'm, I'm done. But, you know, again, you know, if I felt like it, you know, could I? Yeah. Would I? You know, in a dream world, possibly. Uh, I'm not trying to uh, promote a match, and, and, and pretty much I am done. But you know, if I would always, I would always reserve the option. If I wanted to have a match, I could call Vince up and say, "Hey, man, I'd like to do one." But I don't see that happening in a long, long time. What was the last time you I had? I guess what I'm saying, Brian. I guess what I'm saying, Brian, is never say never. But I ain't promoting anything, and you've probably seen me for the last time, and that was in 2003 at WrestleMania, WrestleMania 19 against the Great One, The Rock. Was probably my last match, and that's pretty much the be all end all. When was the last time that you had the, had an itch to get in the ring? Oh, uh, man, you know, I had the itch to get into to the ring at, at 32 with uh, Brock Lesnar because he'd be one of the only uh, few uh, guys that I would entertain the thoughts of having a match with, a guy that I would, wanted to wrestle way back in the day. You know, I walked out of the company when they booked me with a guy back in 2002, whatever it was, 2000, and it was just a bad booking, a stupid decision. 
bad knee-jerk reaction on my part, but I got a lot of respect for what that guy's uh, doing right now. I, I love his uh, in-ring style. People say, oh, man, could you handle the suplexes? I could handle as many suplexes as I wanted him to give me. Uh, but Brock would be high on the list, and, and I, I considered it for, for just a brief moment. But, again, it's like I tell everybody, you know, what's on the backside of a match like that, you know? I got out of the business when I got out. I got the the, the hunger was out of my out of my system, uh, and, and I, I uh, it's almost like uh, you know getting off an addiction. I'm not addicted to wrestling anymore. For a long time I was, and so what's on the back side of that match for me? A whole lot of nothing. So it'd be a lot of buildup. It's been almost the anticlimactic, and you know, and and one of the uh, a big reasons, along with my schedule, that keeps me from wanting to go back is you know again. What is on the other side of it? Nothing. Can I make a paycheck? Yeah. But all about a one match, it's over thing. And to me, I, I don't know, it, to me, it'd be almost hollow. And if, if I ever decided to get back again, it would, it, it damn sure wouldn't be about the money because it's not about the money now. It'd be a, a passion thing that I absolutely wanted to do and felt like I must do before I move on to the next year of my life. But I don't see that happening anytime soon. Do you think that if you did get back at the ring and you had another match, that you'd be afraid you would get addicted again to the ring, to the pop, to, to everything that goes with the business and, and being a performer? No, I know I wouldn't, but I just, I think, I think the letdown or, or the, uh, I think the, the backside of that match, you know, when, when you, you, the adrenaline spikes so high, it's like, you know, I never go back out on the road because I, I don't like being on the road anymore after, after 15 years of being in the business, you know, when I travel to a gig where I'm coming to show in Georgia or Mexico or whatever, that's one thing. I, I'm locked in a house or, you know, I'm in a residential area on a, with a badass piece of property. I'm not beating up and down the road. I don't want to beat up and down the road. And uh, I, I, one other thing uh, about the business these days is I was just at, I was just at uh, the pay-per-view Hell in a Cell, and prior to that I was in Dallas, Texas at a Monday Night Raw, and, man, the system is very constricted right now. And I, I, I feel for those guys in the system. And I had a lot more creative freedom uh, back in the day than these guys are being uh, uh, given these days. And it's a very rigid system and it's very political. Uh, because of the system that I was in, I could never uh, comply uh, to the, the current system. I ain't, I ain't knocking it. I'm just saying I couldn't fly. Uh, in, in that system with, with so many restrictions on me. I know I'm harping on this a little bit, and I know that we all we all saw the podcast where you had Paul Heyman on, and he's the one that kind of popped the question on you at the end of the, the podcast, the end of the broadcast, and, and brought up you facing Brock at WrestleMania next year, and you know that got a lot of people talking about it. But if the scenario had been where it was Vince McMahon and had this idea and had contacted you, would that have really kind of, you know, started your wheels a little bit more and really thinking about doing something? No, no, man. You know, it, it'd be something that I organically came up with on my own because I felt it and 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 would felt that I need to do something like that for me. Not about no money, but just because on a personal level I wanted to do it. So, you know, whether Paul brought it up, Vince brought it up, you know, no one could no one could pitch me anything that, that I just didn't uh, come up with come come up with it on my own or want to do it on my own. I couldn't be talked in anything. Well, I know that question keeps coming up, so that's why I kind of you know had to keep following up about that. But what did um after the, you did that podcast with Paul and all that went down, did Vince call you or immediately after that to say this is not happening or how, did anything like that happen? Oh, no, I told that story. I was uh, in a dressing room at Macy's trying on camouflage shorts to get my wardrobe ready for Broken Skull Challenge. And, you know, I get these three letters come up onto my phone, BKM, Spencer's initials, all capital letters. I know when Vince calls me, it's either good news or bad news. And he was either calling me to tell me we blew up the Internet with a, a great podcast or, you know, uh, I booked myself into an angle. Now, if he can't do any better than that, he's uh, in a bind. And so he made sure that I wasn't, uh, you know, promoting the match or that wasn't interested in a match, and I wasn't. I, 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 like I told him, I simply ran off the mouth. I turned into stone cold, and Paul asked me a question, and I just flew off the handle and gave him a promo. I wasn't trying to spin up a match. So uh, he wasn't very happy. When I say chewed my ass out, 
it, it was just it was a business conversation. Vince doesn't yell at me. Uh, uh, he treats me with respect. It was just a, a conversation where you know he, he let me know how that put him in a position because if he couldn't deliver a match better than that, then it wasn't good for him. I got it. I covered it on the podcast, and it was what it was. You know what the funny thing is, though, from looking at it from a lot of different fans' perspective, and I know the match is not going to happen, but we talk about at WrestleMania, you want to put on the biggest match that you can do, especially this coming year, being at AT AT&T Stadium in Dallas, packing in a record crowd of over 100,000 people. To me... And I don't know if this is, I'm not trying to slight anybody in WWE because I think there's a very deep, talented roster. But to me, still the biggest match that they could have is you against Brock Lesnar. Well, and again, you know, with respect to, to uh, all of the WWE superstars currently in the system and any legends that could be bring back, yeah, that, that would be a, a big ass match just because of the fact that if, if that was going to seemingly or, or what was going to be my last match come up against, you know, Brock Lesnar, who's absolutely on fire right now, and the fact that I'm from the great state of Texas and I started in Dallas and can end it in Dallas, it'd be almost, uh, it, 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 that would be all the stars aligning. I saw George Strait perform at the AT&T Center on the Cowboy Rides Away Tour, and, man, there was 105,000 people on their feet. They were either singing, smiling, or dancing, but they were all having a, a, a good time and, and one man, George Strait, and he had a, a, a bunch of people that came out there and sang duets with him, but George Strait sold that place out. I believe that if WWE puts the right card together, you know, they're, they're going to need some help, but I'd love to see them put 100-plus thousand people in there. And uh, if I can be a part of it in some way, shape, or form, and that makes sense, I, I will you know, be a part of it, but uh, not, not, uh, not in regards to you know, wrestling and opponent there. But, they, but to your point, it's going to take something special to put 100,000 asses in that building. I expect to see you there, Steve. I know you're not going to be wrestling, but you're going to let a lot of people down if you're not there, you know. Well, yeah, I, I plan on being there, you know, because uh, it's been, shoot, I've missed one or two lately. I always like going to the Hall of Fame, seeing those guys go to them. But, you know, when you're not, when you're, you know, Brian, when you've been, where I've been or any top guy's been, and then you're just kind of hanging around the fringe. If it ain't great, you don't want to be there. And it's like with respect to Dallas and the fact that I love uh, my fans, and when I got that pop, that was cool. Hell, I watched the uh, Raw from San Diego. I filmed that pre-tape in Dallas. That pop I got on the pre-tape uh, blew the roof off the San Diego sports arena. That was awesome. So uh, I, I love what the I love I love the fans and I love my relationship with the fans. But when you're a performer and you're used to being, you know, the Mac Daddy, the main cat, and all of a sudden, you know, you're you're not that guy anymore. It's it's kind of a whole different spectrum and, and a whole different level. And it, it's the younger guys' time now, and I, I recognize that. I recognize who and what I was in that business or who I still am. But if it ain't good, like Dallas was as far as the creative. You know, four sentences. You know, I added a little bit to it, but just to make an announcement, it feels gratuitous. That's not fun. It's funny that you talk about, you know, being in the position that you're at, because obviously you have a totally different perspective than the audience. And not only that, but you being one of the biggest stars in wrestling history, but yet you're still a huge fan of it. Obviously, you still do your podcast. You talk about the business a lot. And like I said, you're a fan of it. So, why do you think that you're still a fan of it and enjoy talking about it and watching it? Because there's a lot of other people that have been in your position or even in, maybe not even have the success that you had or even close to it, but, you know, we're in the business and just can't be around it, can't talk about it, or, you know, have a hard time, you know, watching what's going on today. Well, man, I, I have a hard time watching some of the stuff that goes on today as, as well as uh, a lot of people. But, man, I love professional wrestling, and I'm not going to call it sports entertainment because I don't call that on my podcast, and I'm not going to call it on your podcast either. There is professional wrestling to me, and uh, there's, a, there's, a, there's a fine line, but there's a big damn difference as well. Uh, I love the business. I, I want these, uh, these young guys and gals to, to understand what the business is all about, and it's not working uh, a million miles an hour and taking all these crazy, you know, super cross bumps that they don't have to take. 
so you, you want to kind of be able to help them or influence them. I tell you what, I, I've been so impressed with the women's movement in the last half a year, year, you know, with, with, with Sasha Banks and Bailey and Charlotte and uh, uh, Becky Lynch, uh, all those girls, uh, the, uh, the fellas that come around big time. Uh, I mean, they're, they're, that match that uh, I think Sasha and Bailey had at uh, the match in Brooklyn was off the charts. And, man, I tell you what, when you get those women working at a level like that, give me more women's wrestling. I want to see guys working like that. And so those, those girls, those young ladies are getting it. They're understanding it. I, I love it. And it's not about pushing the envelope at 100 miles an hour. It's about establishing an identity and a character and, and having people believe in you, whether they love you or they hate you, they despise you, they adore you, they feel your pain and buy into what you're doing, you're telling a story. I still love that aspect of the business. And so that's what keeps me drawn to it. But it just it, I do I do cringe a lot when I'm watching guys who are trying to work harder and bless their hearts, but they're not working smarter. And until you can tell something, someone you can tell someone something over and over and over again, and they'll never understand it. You know, first of all, sometimes they'll never understand it, and sometimes they're not ready to understand it because they need another year or two of banging their head against the wall before they're capable of understanding it. And that's kind of kind of called you know, paying your dues, on-the-job training, or learning through repetition. So you just watch these cats and these guys and gals go down the road, and you just want them to pick it up. I try to watch as much as I can. Sometimes I find it hard to watch, but I wish the best for all the guys and girls. And I look forward to a little bit more simplistic uh, booking and not 50-50 booking, uh, but booking where, where wins and losses do matter. And, you know, then you bring in your personal issues. Don't, don't, don't let me spin off. Uh, I'll, I'll shut up here because I, I, I love talking about the business. So I'll just start running off on tangents and segues. Go ahead with the next one. No, that's fine because it, it's funny that you say that because I, I, I don't know if you got an opportunity to watch Raw on Monday night, but there was that show was so much more simple. It had like a, a true focus and trying to find a number one contender. It was a little it was a lot more about the wrestling in the ring and it wasn't like they had super long matches like everything was 20 or 30 minutes it was 10 to 15 matches but you had a focus of the show you had really good in-ring action you didn't have really long promos you had some but nothing that took up you know 20 25 minutes and it felt like the three hours went by a lot quicker there was a good flow and you got a lot of good in-ring action and to me that that's kind of the formula that i would like to see for raw a lot more and i thought it showcased a lot of the stars that they had there made a lot of guys look good well, you know, I saw bits uh, and pieces of it. I was trying to flip through. I caught a couple of matches. Now I can't even remember the matches because I, I was watching the, the tournament. Well, I actually saw uh, an Alberto Del Rio match. And so I can't uh, comment on the entire Raw because I didn't see it. I, I can comment on the fact that uh, bringing Alberto Del Rio back was a very interesting move. And I would say the performance, I think he wrestled twice that night. I saw him wrestle at a much more aggressive, less cartoonish fashion that I was really impressed by. And if you can maintain this kind of intensity and focus, there's still a piece or two missing in his game. But I was impressed with his work and liked his presentation and his demeanor. He wasn't smiling and had his hands out by his side all the time. He was intense. He was out there to deliver a message. That message was beating his opponent. And I, I liked how he presented it. And so maybe uh, his time away was a high perform or he just come back with more aggression. But I, I was impressed with what I saw out of that guy where I wasn't uh, beforehand. Are you surprised, and you mentioned, you know, how wins and losses matter, you know, when you watch these shows. Are you surprised how much that has gone away? Because to me that's one of the simplest things when it comes to obviously trying to make stars, and you're not going to do it with everybody, but – you know, when you really want a guy, you know, you're pushing him in a certain angle or you're trying to make a guy to the next level or somebody already is in the main event level, you know, wins and losses matter. And that's something to me that's really felt dumbed down and kind of thrown out the window in a lot of cases lately. Dude, anybody will tell you wins and losses matter. I mean, I matter. Sorry, I'm just trying to get on the 405 as you said a while ago. Uh, man, look at the NFL right now. We're midseason. Everybody knows I'm a huge football fanatic, college and pro. 
uh, we're midseason right now. We're, we're already looking at which teams might have a chance to be a wild card team. Uh, so, and, and who's marching to the Super Bowl? Which teams are still undefeated? Uh, you know, possible Super Bowl champion. Everybody's making their predictions now. Uh, I'm not a fantasy football guy, but man, you're damn right. Uh, wins and losses matter in any sports endeavor you can imagine. Out of every single sport, wins matter. So don't sit there and say that wins and losses don't matter in pro wrestling because absolutely they do. Because remember, you can call it sports entertainment, but this whole thing is based on the fact that you have winners and losers and the winners are sent to the top, and that guy who holds the belt is the guy who loses the least. So uh, you got to have a badass champion uh, to be able to pull that off, pull out those wins, cheating if he's a heel, However he wins is a baby face, strong performance, a great finish, whatever. But absolutely, with the whole scheme of booking, wins and losses do matter. For someone to say they don't is BS. That's what drives me crazy, though, is that when, when we see a guy gets a big win one week and then he loses the next week to the same guy, or even like what's happened recently with Seth Rollins, who I think has done a great job as world champion. But up until just a week ago, he was winning on pay-per-views, but outside that, like, everything that was on TV or on the WWE Network with live specials, like, he was losing every match. And I'm like, that's your world champion. And I know his championship's not on the line, but it was driving me crazy that he's losing all these matches. Was it was it driving you nuts, too, or how, what, what was your reaction to that? Well, I haven't seen it as much, but, but what's, what's happening is you get a guy who's a hell of a hand, which is what Seth Rollins is, and you figure, oh, he can work so good. We can beat him and make other people because of his athletic ability and everybody respects him as, as a worker and then just keep the belt on him. We can beat him. Oh, you waken him, you homogenize him, you water him down. He doesn't have any heat to speak of. Uh, man, I really like what that guy does in the ring. Uh, he, he needs to let his opponent settle a little bit more, as he should as well. But, man, he's a hellish to stand in the ring. I love what he does, but you can't beat him like a drum and expect him to draw you a house. You know, you had talked about during your time, you know, being built organically. And WWE is such a machine now. And then on top of that, the audience is smarter than ever. So do you think it's easier or harder right now to become a main event star in that company? level playing field, so everybody's playing on the same field, uh, so in respect to the, the playing field, it's, it's level, or, or it's, 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 it's the same, but because of the fact that I think there's just really one company that you want to work for if you're a pro wrestler in the United States, it's WWE, and I, I think due to the fact that everything else is a step down, all due respect to the other wrestling organizations out there, that's just calling a spade a spade, that everyone's afraid to go out on a limb, take a chance, do something different, uh, go out of the box, be more aggressive, uh, just go off on an ad-lib promo instead of what they wanted you to say, and experiment. And so, yeah, from that respect, it's harder because... You don't, you don't have as many individuals out there, man, coming from all the different diverse backgrounds that everybody comes from. You have a factory of writers writing up their promos of what they think someone should say. And they, you know, no one can sit there and back in the heyday of Stone Cold Steve Austin, uh, who grew up in South Texas, hunting and fishing and uh, listening to the things that I listen to, make up a promo that is going to resonate like I can or The Rock could or a Hogan or a Flair or a Dusty, you know, it's just, it's a hard system now. Uh, it's, it's a level playing field, but, man, there's so many more boundaries. There's so many more rules. It's hard to really be free and in the moment when you're trying to just make sure you don't do the right, make sure you don't do the wrong thing to lose your job. It's funny, too, because obviously Roman Reigns is somebody that WWE has huge plans for, and, and rightfully so. But we saw earlier this year where the crowd went against him and they changed the plans for WrestleMania, and now it really seems like things are firing up behind him. 
what do you, were you surprised by the revolt or, or what what do you think about Roman at this point or what do you think is is missing if if anything from him right now as they try to make him into you know one of the top stars in the company man i don't know dude it's uh he's, he's got the looks of a top guy i don't know him enough uh to, to know if he has the mentality of a top guy, you know, meaning the desire to put in the work to study the film, so to learn a new moveset or, or learn more work. So I, I don't know enough about the guy to answer that. He's got the looks. He's got the size. But, you know, there, there's, there's many different ingredients that go to you know, creating a guy that can actually draw money. And at the end of the day, you can have a, a lot of things or a couple of things, but if the people don't care about you enough, you know, they'll pay their money to see you, whether you heal a baby face, whatever your role is, you know, you can be a top guy because you're placed on top of the card. But to me, a top guy is someone who's on top who is drawing money. There's a big difference between a guy on top just on paper and a guy on top because he's drawing money. You can put him on top right now, and he can be on top on the card and on paper, but it don't necessarily mean at this stage of where he's at, he's going to put ass in the seats just because, you know, you're booking, booking him in a favorable uh, uh, favorable um, fashion. He has to resonate with those people at a deep level for them to become attached to him and actually care. Did you ever have that problem, you know, uh, especially during the height of your career, even before then, um, when it came to getting the audience to react in the way that you were hoping? Was was that ever an issue or a problem for you uh, during your career? Oh, hell, man. I mean, yeah, I think it took me seven and a half years to really figure it out. I turned into Stone Cold after I got fired uh, from uh, WCW to stop over in ECW and under the, uh, you know, the watchful eye and the, uh, the, the uh, you know, advice of Paul Heyman, who really helped me in, in so, so many ways. Uh, but, you know, I, and I don't mean to be hard on a guy like Roman Reigns, because here's the thing, man. It, like I said, it took me seven and a half years. I was pretty damn good at WCW, but I wasn't a superstar. You know, a superstar to me is a little bit of a misnomer. It's a great uh, uh, title that they want to call everybody that goes into these square circles. But when it comes down to are they really a superstar or not, it's a whole other, uh, you know, endeavor. So, you know, Roman has been around for the longest time. Uh, and these days, you know, they're really looking at these guys who try to turn the corner a lot faster you know, than the pressure was back in the day. So the pressure's on these guys. And so... I do understand pressure that all these these guys and these gals are under to hurry up and get there. And sometimes the maturation process, you know, is what it is. It's a timing. It's a timely process where it takes you a couple of years to actually get it. So I ramble again off your question, but it's it's. I think I think that Roman and some other guys can get there. It's just going to take them a while. But man, these right right now it's such a it's such a green roster. That it's, they want everything now, and, and these guys have got to deliver. And it's, it's just, uh, man, I trailed off that ride and just got into this traffic. That's what happens when you're on the 405, man. You're on a battle right now. Yeah, I'm on a 405. I'm on a home stretch. <laughs> well, you, you know, it's funny, too, when talking about your career, especially during the Attitude Era, things were so hot right then at the height of uh, wrestling popularity. Looking at it now, looking back on your career, especially during that period of time, is there a moment or, you know, a, a particular storyline or something that you guys did where you're saying, wow, that was pretty crazy that we actually did that? Or how the hell did I ever get away with that? Do you ever have those moments of thinking about that when it comes to something from that that time? Uh, I mean, because I don't sit there and think about all the stuff that I did. You know, if you ask me that question now, you know, I think about the gun angle. Which is highly controversial. Yeah. A lot of eyebrows, but you know, left to my own devices, just sitting here driving down to 405. I don't hark it back to the old days and think of, you know, this out of whatever. Hey, but since you say that, you know, I'll put out a, uh, a 
shameless plug here for the WW2K16 video game because I have gotten, man, a couple of thousand tweets on my Twitter account, Steve Austin BSR, about how badass uh, the video game is with respect to being able to go back to the Attitude Era and relive some of the stuff that these guys saw way back in the day and really enjoyed. So uh, other people are able to do that. Me not being a gamer, I'm happy to be able to cover the game, but other people have been able to do exactly what you're asking me. But I never I never go back and, and have those, uh, you know, memories of what I used to do to go back to the glory years. Every yeah. now and then someone will send me a clip on YouTube and I'll watch it while, while I'm laying in bed and my wife will look over and she'll, she'll say, what are you watching? And I'll just because it's a video of me on YouTube. And I'll say, man, some band sick of this. So... I don't just just uh, get on YouTube and, and relive my career, and I don't drive down the road reliving it either. I've got a lot of fond memories that if someone jostles them up, I'll remember them. But if not, I'll leave them alone. Yeah, I can just imagine you getting on YouTube and getting lost down a wormhole of watching your clips for two or three hours just because you wanted to relive the old days. I just don't see you doing that for some reason. <laughs> yeah, I did. Yeah, that, that's, uh, I got out in 03. It was a long time ago. I, I'm I'm really happy once again to be able to cover the 2K16 video game. It was a real surprise when I got that phone call, but yeah, I, I'm not that guy, dude. Well, let me ask you about that, too. So, you got the phone call, someone calls you up, and they said, hey, Steve, how would you like to be on the cover of the uh, the brand new WWE 2K16 video game? Uh, how surprised were you you got that call? Well, I was, I was surprised on one hand, I wasn't surprised on another. Uh, because of the global reach... That, that they wanted, you know, the, the, the person on that cover to have. And a lot of people were saying, hey, man, this should be so-and-so or a current uh, superstar that was in the system. But they're looking at the, they're looking at the small picture. WWE and 2K was looking at the big picture of the current and past fan base, and, and that ended up, you know, pointing all of the arrows to Stone Cold Steve Austin. So, hey, dude, I was, uh, I was surprised on one hand, but on the other hand, I can totally understand it. When I got that phone call, I just said, hey, man, sounds good. What's the business end of it? I heard that, and I said, all right, dude, I'm cool with it. Because that's one of those gigs where, you know, since you've been gone for 12, 13 years, you're not going to talk your way out of that gig. You know what I'm saying? Oh, absolutely. If someone asks you, hey, Brian, do you want to be on the cover of 2K16, or do you not want to be on the cover of 2K16? You're going to say, yes, I want that gig. So I wasn't going to talk myself out of it, but after two weeks it went by, and the deal was pretty much sealed. We didn't even sign papers yet. But I called him back and I said, why specifically uh, did, you, did you guys want me on that cover at this particular time uh, uh, of where everything's at? And they told me the reasons, and I'll leave those private. But I got my reasons, and I still got the gig. There was a little bit of a backlash. Not not something huge, but a small amount of backlash from some there people. There should have been. I mean, yeah, if you're, if, you're, if you're a hardcore fan who's following the current product, you want your guy on there. So, man, that's, that's the thing. Hey, Stone Cold fans are some of the greatest in the world, but so with all the other WWE fans that have their favorite superstar and want to make a case for, you know, Roman Reigns, Seth Rollins, or Dean Ambrose, or, or, or John Cena again, or, or Brock Lesnar, or any of them. So, uh, of course, when you have a decision like that, Anybody and everybody's going to have their favorite. And so, hey, man, I was overwhelmingly uh, received with positive feedback. But that being said, you're always going to have a little bit of, of negative feedback because not everybody's going to be happy with the selection. And that's life. And the people that had those uh, reservations or, or their picks, more power to them. That's their opinion. And they're certainly entitled to it. And I respect it. You know, the WWE audience is always changing. I mean, it just it happens with everything, but especially with WWE, that the audience is always changing. Some people come, some people go, some people hang around for a long time. When you, look, when you think about today's audience, do they really know who you are and what you did and your overall impact when it comes to this business and truly how big of a star that you were and still are? Well, man, I don't know because I don't get a chance to to talk to too many people. You know, I'll see some people at the, there's a brewery I hang out down in El Segundo. Uh, I'll see some people down there, and they'll take pictures. They want to take pictures and stuff like that. And I think for the for the most part, the, the basic fan does. The you know the funny thing is that the WWE Network has kind of prolonged my staying power or my notoriety because people can go back and, and watch all the stuff that we did back in the day on there. 
So that's kind of kept me fresh, so to speak, in people's memories. But I don't know uh, what exactly, you know, the, the current hardcore uh, WWE fan thinks or remembers about Stone Cold Steve Austin. You know, if, if they remember me, that's cool. Again, it's, it's not one of those things that I dwell on because, man, again, it's just 2015. I've been out of the ring, and I have great, great memories of a, of a business that I absolutely still love, and I rode off into the sunset. So people will be concerned and remember, you know, what they care to be concerned and remember about. If you had to right now, could you still drive a Zamboni? Oh, dude, that's, that's, the, that's the funny thing about Steve Austin, the person – I can drive anything on wheels, blades, uh, tracks, whatever. I'm, I'm just one of those guys that's always been able to drive anything and grab hold of it in a very, very short fashion. And so uh, a Zamboni would be a piece of cake at this juncture in my life. I saw you riding a brand-new faster-than-ever jet ski on YouTube the other day. And I, <laughs> I love uh, – Jet skis. I grew up in South Texas, uh, water skiing and out there in the uh, uh, Intercoastal Canal in Fort Connor, Texas. And jet skis have been a, a big part of my life on, on and off. I've never owned one, but I am a brand ambassador for Kawasaki Motorsports, and I, I promote the, the Mule Pro XT. It's the UTV that I ride on the Broken Skull Challenge, and it's the UTV that I hunt on. And uh, I had a Kawasaki mule back in 1998, and Kawasaki invented the mule in 1988. So I've been a fan of their products. I've had 10 of their machines, and all of a sudden uh, they reach out to me. I become a brand ambassador, and I'm out there filming a, a show for CMT and uh, Performance Power Sports out of Seneca, South Carolina, sent down a demo unit for me to play around on. And that, that particular unit, it was a Kawasaki 310LX. And it's a 1,500cc motor, which is supercharged. It has 310 horsepower, and it's absolutely uh, wonderfully insane. I had a great time on that machine, and every day after I filmed the Broken Skull Challenge, we filmed that on a mountain in the desert. And every day after work, my chill-down, my cool-down procedure is to get on my Kawasaki mule and take my ride through the Skullbuster and answer my phone calls, return emails, and chill. So... Uh, on the water-based version of that, I would take the jet ski out and ride it out on Lake Hartwell, Georgia, to, to wind down from a hard day at the office. So, yeah, man, I, I'm, I'm proud to be uh, associated with Kawasaki Motorsports. I just love the picture you have on your Twitter where you're you're on this bright lime green Kawasaki jet ski, but yet you still find a way to look badass. Like, do not mess with me. I'll kick your ass. Here's the thing, it was a badass picture, and uh, Chris Carey, the guy who took that picture, I was just about to crank into a turn, and so he kind of catches me a little bit tensed up, and I'm about to turn that thing sideways. So he just happened to take a great a great photo at a, at a great time, and uh, actually while we were filming those videos, I actually fell off the jet ski twice and lost my sunglasses at Lake Hartwell. Let me just say, I look a lot cooler with my sunglasses going 70 miles an hour. Uh, with the sun, I, I look cooler with the sunglasses going 70 miles an hour than without the sunglasses going 70. You just have this way of pulling off this look, no matter what situation you are, of where it's like, don't F with me. You know, I'm a bad man. Well, you know what, Brad? They always say in show business, never let them see you sweat. Yeah. And I've always lived by that, that creed or that motto, because when you're on live TV, Monday Night Raw, the chips are on the line, and sometimes you, you, you fluff something up or something goes wrong, you never let them know that, hey, you did something wrong. And so, hey, man, you know, I got paid to, to, to be a badass on TV. I, I'm, I'm a pretty badass guy in real life, so uh, it's, not, it's not hard for me to portray that. And I never look for trouble. I never look to instigate anything. But I'm a guy that when I'm as happy as the lark, I still look like I'm kind of pissed off, even though I'm not. Yes. So, it was one of those kind of things. Those are just my features. Yeah, I, well, it's funny because we sit here and talk about, and you are a badass, but you're also a wine connoisseur, aren't you? Oh, man, absolutely. Uh, I, lo- I love uh, uh, a good Pinot. Back in the day, I was into the big cabs, and uh, we would go to Napa Valley. And, man, Napa Valley, if you haven't been, if you're within striking distance, you got to go. Now because, uh, and that's kind of more home of the, the, the cabs. And the Merlots, but we want to go to Sonoma County for our next trip to go more to the Pinot Noir 
country. And uh, I think I was going to give you my daily drink right now, and I can't actually think of it. But, yeah, a little bit of a wine connoisseur. Uh, still a beer connoisseur as well. I still enjoy my beers. Uh, a while back, you know, when I was still in the ring, they'd throw me Bud Light, Bush Light, Coors Light, Miller Light. They'd throw me uh, Budweiser back when the XFL was still tied to uh, WWF at the time. And since I got out of the business and started enjoying uh, craft beers, I've really gotten into the India Pale Ls, the IPAs, and into the hops and to the bitters. So that's what I'm drinking more of these days, and I'm really enjoying the craft beer movement, and it's fun to taste these, these different flavors of beer that these different breweries are coming up with, and, and specifically uh, enjoy the beers coming out of El Segundo Brewing Company in El Segundo, California, which is right on the other side of the airport for me. I like that you're talking about going through, like, wine country. Do you, do you and your wife ever go on those trips where you go to multiple places and do the wine tasting, you know, on a nice sunny afternoon? Oh, dude. Oh, yeah, back in the day, we haven't been in, shoot, I think, seven or eight years. Now, we want to go back, but going back to, like, when you asked, if, you know, how come I've only been on Raw, you know, once in four years, it's the same thing with the schedule. So many things pop up that, you know, I don't even have time to, you know, take a vacation to go to wine country because one thing leads to another. The podcast is twice a week, and you think, oh, two days of work ain't nothing. Well, it's 104 days out of the year, and as you know, Brian, because you do one, you know, because your show might last an hour to an hour and 20, 30 minutes, a lot more work goes into it than just recording it, doing your research, doing your due diligence, and, and all of that, plus reading all your spots and putting all the things together. So it's a, it's a lot more lengthy process than people think. So when you tie all of the projects together with the podcast and all that other stuff, yeah, dude. Uh, much less uh, Monday Night Raw. I don't have time to go to the wine country and chill out. we got to carve some time out of there so you can get your wine back on, man. <laughs> I will, dude. I, I, I'm in, a, I'm in uh, a real good place right now, and I've been able to stay busy with uh, the shows with CMT. Uh, luckily, the podcast has been a success for me. I love doing it. Sometimes I'm a little bit under the gun to turn one in, but I've been trying to get some uh, interesting people uh, on the show, uh, I've got some interesting people coming up on the show. And sometimes, man, as you know, dude, it's, it's a challenge to come up with stuff. Yeah, it, it can be. So speaking of that, because obviously you do the you do the Steve Austin show twice a week on Podcast One. We see you do the Stone Cold Live podcasts, the specials on the WWE Network. You just recently did the one with Brock Lesnar. Did you have a different approach into that one, considering it was Brock and he has such a different personality that sometimes, you know, he will, he has a different approach to the business and likes to keep to himself a little bit more than the average Joe? Well, no, because I have a great rapport with Brock and me and him have been good friends for a long time. And, uh, hang on, Hershey, come here. Hershey, the Wonder Dog, just got out of my security gate and tripped the uh, gates for the open back up. You know, it's funny when you, when you talk about the, uh, the Stone Cold podcast, it's a little bit different. It's a little bit different protocol and platform because when you're doing something WWE Network or WWE related and they got to have their fingerprints on it a little bit, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, and the Steve Austin show, the only fingerprints you see on that thing are mine. So with, res- with respect to the differences, that's the difference whether I'm talking to Brock Lesnar or, or anybody. Uh, there's just some WWE fingerprints on it that normally wouldn't have been on it had it just been my podcast. So that's the different protocol or different pr- procedure that goes into doing stuff with them. You brought up so many different times about the situation on Raw in 2002 where WWE wanted you to have the match with Lesnar and you didn't like the idea, and you walked out and everything, and you brought that up in the podcast with Brock, and he had said, ah, it wasn't that big of a deal. I, I probably would have done the same thing. Do you finally have peace with that situation now, considering that he said that to you on that on that show? No, because I asked him, I asked him that on the podcast, but, you know, me and Brock had already we talked about it way back in the day, and, uh, again, we, we were trying to go deer hunting together forever. So I already knew that he was cool with it. That was that was more of a thing that I could get out there, just from a fan perspective, to you know they could see you know what Brock thought 
uh, about that endeavor, and he, he was shooting straight from the hip. You know, like I said, I, I knew what the answer was, but that, that was more, uh, you know, from a, from a public standpoint and, and just for podcast material. Yeah. You you know, you, when you've done those specials now, you've talked to Brock, you've talked to Vince McMahon and Triple H and uh, Paul Heyman, and uh, you did the one with Edge and Christian. What What's the biggest thing you think you've taken away from any one of those or the something that you learned that maybe you didn't know or something that you really enjoyed that really stuck out to you in those conversations? Man, <laughs> man, you know, again, there's only so many things you can ask, you know, whether you're on that network or you're on a, or you're your own podcast with someone uh, just because sometimes – you know, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, so you never go there. Right. I'm not Howard Stern. I'm not trying to ask those questions. Uh, so no, nothing, I wouldn't say I've really learned or been shocked by anything that I've picked up. Uh, it's just been, it's an enjoyable process. Sometimes it's a challenging process. It's a, it's a great opportunity. Uh, you know, sometimes you walk in a tightrope with respect to, to where you can go. And so I would say that that's a tough thing that I had to learn. I think for me it's the two things are Triple H and believing in his vision for the future when that time comes that he is the guy that's calling a lot more of the shots. And the other is how much enjoyment Vince gets in pushing people into his pool. Yeah, I mean, some of those uh... – those ribs they used to pull, and you can only talk about some of them on the air just because of the nature. And they were all fun in nature. Yeah. But, you know, again, sometimes, you know, just what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. And some of the, the inner workings of the business or, or the inner inner ribs are, are will always remain private. But, yeah, going to, uh, to Triple H's vision of, you know, maybe where the company goes, you know, one of these days in the future. Is obviously an interesting topic, and and who knows? Because, you know, we'll see whatever we see. You know, I saw Vince the other day, and you know, man, he looks absolutely phenomenal. He's still in better shape than I am, so uh, I think he's good to go for as long as he wants to go. Speaking of that, and I know there's only like you said, there's certain places you don't like to go, but so many people associate your time in WWE with The Rock. Is, is there one story in particular, one favorite? story or something that fans have never even heard that, that you can recollect with your times and being around him? No, no, I just, uh, no, really, really nothing stands out other than, uh, you know, uh, one time, with, with, well, I can tell you with, uh, with, uh, it's relevant to what The Rock's doing right now. He's the biggest movie star in the world. We were flying back on an airplane from a gig one night, uh, and I was in the back having a drink, and Rock was uh, walking around, probably eating one of his meals. And I said, hey, man, I said, where are you headed? Back to Miami? And he said, no, man, I'm going out in Los Angeles. I said, man, I said, what are you doing out there? Because, you know, it had been a pretty good road trip, and everybody's ready to go home. He goes, oh, I've been working on some stuff out there. Well, the stuff he was working on out there was, you know, his inroads to being, you know, a, an actor, a movie star. And, you know, he was using, uh, he, first of all, he's what, second, third generation wrestler. He loves the business. But, you know, he was setting himself up for his next turn in life or uh, on the chess table, and that was going to be movies. And he was working, you know, that back then and many, many years ago, because now you can think of what it was he did to, to his first movie, uh, Scorpion King, whatever it was. But he was out there, you know, even before that, networking, doing, doing, you know, taking meetings and, and making his presence felt. The opportunity came along, and, you know, he was a guy that was working for that next opportunity way before it happened. And it goes to show, you know, his vision of where he wanted to go and his dream of where he wanted to go. And he's been hugely successful because of that. Yeah, it's been amazing, everything he's been able to accomplish. Uh, last thing, let me bring this up, because we talked about this before we actually started taping this, but I wanted to get your thoughts because – the the press release came out that Bellator MMA has signed Kurt Angle. Now it looks like I don't expect him to perform, but he's going to be, you know, at a, a fan fest. They're going to do, and obviously the headline is to try to get you, you know, to see what's going to happen here. But um, what's your thoughts about Kurt and where he's at right now? And you know, um, 
it looks like you know his wrestling career is you know winding down and possibly ending here very soon. Man, uh, that guy's been absolutely incredible to come from the '96 Olympics, winning the gold, getting the business of pro wrestling, and turning into you know one of the best ever. No one has picked up the business faster than Kurt Angle has, and I enjoyed every single match I had with him. That guy works his ass off, and he's a he's a good guy. He's a truly good guy. That I really have a lot of respect for. So the Bellator thing, you know, whether he's an ambassador or whatever it is, I, don't, I certainly don't see him fighting. But you know, I'm, I'm, I'm proud for him. I'm happy for him. And uh, you know, you know, each gig turns into the next. Is all what you make of that gig, and you know, this is the next step down the road for Kurt Angle. And then, uh, you know, I, I know I don't think it's you know giving up any secrets that he wanted to finish up with WWE if, if at all possible. Don't know if that's going to happen. But nonetheless, I'm happy for him as long as, you know, he's got a gig and, you know, he's doing what he loves to do and he's out there in front of the people where he should be. I think it's a good thing. Yeah, I'd love to see him have one more match in that stage of WWE. I, I know that things didn't, you know, back in the day, they when, you know, he split from the company. It wasn't exactly the best thing that happened from either side, obviously. But to see him go back, the place that he started and really made a name for himself and had so much success just one last time, I think – it can be special. I think a lot of fans would like to see it, but obviously it's up to, you know, WWE, and you know they have the reasons for if they want them or they don't. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Uh, you know, I'm not going to hold my breath over any, any kind of uh, thing like that, but uh, it, it will be interesting if that were to happen. But nonetheless, uh, whether it does or not, I expect to see Kurt Angle in the Hall of Fame sooner rather than later because he has damn sure earned uh, every single right to be there. And I know we'll see exactly what happens next year at WrestleMania 32 in Dallas. I expect you to be there with a beer bash for everybody. The biggest beer bash, 100,000 people beer bash at AT AT&T Stadium. If there was ever a reason to have a beer bash, uh, and and I think that's the best idea I've heard so far because no one has pitched me anything from WrestleMania 32, they know I'm not interested in wrestling. I'm not going to wrestle. But a beer bash at WrestleMania 32 is a pretty damn good idea, Brian. So, uh, good piece of booking. That's what I do, man. It's, it's, I give up free advice. If you want to take it, go for it. If not, I was, quite honestly, I was a little disappointed when I saw you on Raw and there was no beer bash. You, you did your points and you plugged the podcast and everything. And I was like, okay, now who's going to toss him a beer? There's no beer. Well, you know, sometimes, Brian, you, you show up at these gigs. And, and, again, I did not know I was going to – all of my Google alerts, which I get, were speculating, hey, man, Steve's going to be at Raw. And then, uh, okay, since he was at Raw, i got to shoot the angle between him and Brock on a podcast. And I was like, no, no, no. And so I was gearing up to do the podcast. I was getting dressed that morning. I got a text message, hey, we want you to be on Raw. So I didn't even know I was going to be on Raw that night. And then, again, you know, I get the – little four-line promo, and at the very least, hey, how about a couple of brewskis? I didn't even think, I didn't even think about the beer. I didn't even bring, bring up the beer. I just figured this is what they had for me. I'll do it. I'll go back. I'll get ready to interview Brock. So, yeah, we, we certainly missed out on a beer opportunity. And you got pestered pretty good leading up to that, where you kept telling people, I am not scheduled to be on Raw. I am doing a podcast with Brock Lesnar. And then, the day of, we find out like two hours before the show, hey, Stone Cold Steve Austin's going to be on Raw tonight. <laughs> I know, man. But that, that's, you know, the Internet is crazy, and everybody uh, wants to, to be a part of the clickbait or, you know, have to put something up that's going to be clickbait to get someone to click on and read. Uh, and this is the new answer, and they read it on the Internet, so it's got to be true. Uh, and, and then if it ain't true, uh, and then I'm held accountable for it. <laughs> You're damn right. It's pretty crazy. So it, it is what it is. I, I take it with a grain of salt. And anything I read on the internet, especially with regards to me and professional wrestling. And, and once again, dude, I, I love WWE fans. I love Stone Cold fans. And I'm not bitter. I'm just, I'm just highly, highly critical. And if I go, I want to do something that's grade A or I don't want to do it at all. Damn right. So everybody can find you on Twitter at Steve Austin BSR. 
And also, everybody can listen to the Steve Austin Show on Podcast One twice a week, the family-friendly version as well as the uncensored version. Everybody should check that out. Get that on your iTunes or your Stitcher or your Downcast app or just check it out online. Uh, Steve, I really appreciate it, man. I've been looking forward to doing this for a while. And uh, keep up the great work, and uh, hopefully we can uh, do it again down the line. Brian, it was good talking to you. We've been talking about doing this for a long time, and uh, I committed to it. And things were going crazy. All the stars had lined up, and we were able to talk. I'm, I'm finally happy that I could fulfill my word and my obligation to you. I appreciate the opportunity very much. And I hope we get to do it again because I, I don't want to go another year and a half. Or you know, I know you fulfilled your obligation, as you said, but you know, I'm, I'm hoping we can do it again. You know, a year from now. No, but I enjoyed I enjoyed hanging out with you, and I enjoy talking to people that didn't know what I'm talking about when it comes down to talking about pro wrestling. So I, I, I enjoy talking about it, and uh, I don't just want to sit there and, and talk about myself, per se, but I, I enjoy the business. I love the business. So when you're talking about someone, that, that uh, talking to someone who is as passionate about it as you are, and, and a few of the other people I've talked to, and as knowledgeable and, and so in tune with it, it's a pleasure for me. Next time we'll just talk about uh, stunning Steve Austin. How's that? No, let's just shoot the, let's shoot the breeze and just go back about a couple of trends or old matches or how how the work style and ring has changed. Absolutely. So, well, that'll be next time. Thanks again, man. You're welcome, Brian. Take care. The talking is over. Thanks for downloading Between the Ropes. Now you guys are awesome. Thank you. For more, go to betweentheropes.com and subscribe to Between the Ropes on iTunes. Thank you. Have a nice day. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.